podcast. My name is Philip Taylor of PTMoney.com. This is the Part-Time Money Podcast. And today I have with me is Kristen Carney of Qubit. And Qubit is a demographic data company. Uh, they sell $20 basic packages. They do some consulting as well. And they also have an app. Um, so it's our first time interviewing someone who's a part of you know, a startup company, someone who's received funding from an investment, an outside investment group. Uh, typically, we've talked with part-time entrepreneurs and uh, employees who are starting something with their own capital or their own time and effort. So, uh, well, not that this doesn't involve their own time and effort, but uh, Kristen, you know, is part of a, a company that now that uh, has taken money from an investment group to to help grow her business. So, I'm excited to learn about that process, how that works. Um, it, they've um, her and her, her co-founder uh, were working on this business part time while having a, while having full time jobs, but uh, over the past six months or so, uh, they've both been able to move toward this full time. And I think some in the past, they also did some part time, some some full time work while doing this part time. So uh, kind of a mixture of of doing this while while trying to do some other things. So it's a perfect uh, example of a part time sort of entrepreneur getting going here. And I'm looking forward to talking to Kristen. Sorry for the long intro, Kristen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So uh, what made you want to get started doing this? Um, so Cuba got started when I was working for an environmental engineering company. Um, and part of my job was pulling demographic data for transportation projects, right? So if they're going to build a new road, you have to know how many people of different races your your new roads going to impact. You want to know poverty levels. Are you negatively impacting um, people that are below the poverty level at a higher rate than people who are above the poverty level? So it would take me about 40 hours of just routine grunt work to pull the demographic data that I needed for these projects, and I thought that was ridiculous. Like we have amazing technology. This was this was four years ago. We have this great technology. There should be an app that does this um, for environmental engineers. Um, and so I was complaining rather loudly one day about um, these 40 hours of very painful uh, demographic data gathering that I did uh, to a good friend of mine, Anthony. Um, and he said, well, I can build you that. He was a, a designer for Hoovers.com, an information company, a data information company. Um, and so he picked up the necessary coding skills, and between the two of us, we started uh, working on this app um, while we had full-time jobs. So, awesome. So, are you in engineer background, or what's your background? Um, I'm not. So, I my first job out of college was working for an economist. Um, so, I've slowly kind of got into doing uh, economic analysis. So, I am a data. Uh, my technical title, I think, is data nerd. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, wow. So. So you met your, uh, the partner who, who, who could sort of help you do some of the development side of things. Um, this sort of came out, I like the, the fact that this sort of came out sort of an on-the-job uh, discovery here. Now did your company, uh, the company that you were working for full-time say, hey, you should have built that for us instead of going out and building it for, your, for, for yourself? Well, I built it for me, right, because I, I just wanted to solve my problem. And when we very first built it, there wasn't this idea that, oh, we're going to make a company and we're going to go raise money on it. Like, that wasn't it. It was just like, it was a tool that I needed to, to um, you know, to do my job better. Um, and so when we thought, like, as we started to build this tool, it kind of got cooler and cooler. And then I was like, okay, well, there might be something here. And so at that point in time, both of us stopped working 
for um, at our current full-time jobs, and we took jobs with the government. Um, so we would have, um, you know, not as much, not as many responsibilities, and there wouldn't be a conflict of interest, <laughs> so that then we could, you know, further pursue um, this company. But the crazy thing is, as soon as we had both gotten our lower hour government jobs, at that time I applied um, for a program, and these were kind of new programs um, that angel investors put together. The most famous one is a group called um, Y Combinator out in California, um, but I applied to one here in Austin, and, and it's called Capital Factory in Austin, and as part of this program you get um, a little bit of cash. Um, a little bit of free services, but what you mostly get is 20 experienced mentors to help you build your business. So we had set up our, our, you know, our lives to be able to work on this business part-time, and I applied for um, this program for us, and we ended up getting accepted. So we got $20,000 in cash for our company. We got over $20,000 in free services, so that's attorneys and accountants to help us set up the business. And then the most valuable thing was we had 20 different mentors um, who we could, you know, even today we can pick up the phone, we can call these guys, um, and they can give us advice. Gotcha. So I, I definitely see the appeal with going with uh, with a group like that to help to help fund. And I, I I'm familiar with the Y Combinator uh, concept, so I like the idea of funding that sort of comes with mentoring attached, right? Mm -hmm. Were there any strings attached to the 20k? Was it a Good point. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, so we sold them 5% of our company, um, okay. which, to, I mean, to these guys, that's nothing, right? I mean, these guys have had multiple successful exits. They're not going to get any money out of, you know, we can't, like, if 20 of them own 1%, you know, 20 of them own 5%, they're not going to get anything out of it. Like, they do it because they really enjoy it, and they, they love talking to young companies and, and um, you know, just being around high level of energy, people doing full stuff, that kind of thing. So who's a good fit for a program like that? Okay, so the scary thing was, was we had to quit our jobs. When we got accepted into that program, we were not allowed to have jobs. And we had 10 weeks over the summer to build, to go as far and as fast as we can, and we technically launched our company at the end of the 10 weeks. So first off, you've got to be willing to, you know, you've got to have the savings in the bank to be able to give you that runway to not have a job, and then you also have to... You know, what's your plan after the 10 weeks is over? Because 20K isn't going to feed two people. I mean, even though we live in fantastic Austin, Texas with a really low, you know, um, cost of living, you know, that's not going to last very long. Um, so I think that's one of the most important things. And then the second thing is before you go in the program, you have to already have the idea. You have to already have traction, right? So we had a free app on our website that was a very early prototype. You have to already show that you have the team, so they like having kind of the more marketing or the more market side of the team and the you know technology side of the team. So you kind of come in with lots of pieces already in place um, before that's a really before these kinds of um, programs are a good fit. That makes sense. Um, was it very competitive to get in? I mean, did you send, did you get a sense that you know hey we've got a kind of a leg up on the competition like you said because you have all these sort of things lined up or it, was it still sort of will we get this? No, we didn't. We didn't know if if we would get in. I think they accepted. So our year, they accepted five companies, um, and there were like over two hundred fifty applicants. Um, and every year, they just get more and more applicants as this program um, is you know become better known in Austin. But we were accepted the very first year, 
And so my co-founder and I always joke that we got in on accident. They didn't know what they were doing yet, and we just kind of snuck in under the radar. So. Gotcha. Nice. <laughs> That's good. So uh, talk to me about, about – we'll come back to sort of some uh, – some information about the, the funding and all that, but talk to me more about what the company does. What does Qubit do? Um, so today, Qubit, we help small businesses pull demographic data for site selection and for marketing projects. Um, that's what we do in a nutshell. We have three different products that help people. We have our original web app that we built for environmental engineers, and that's no longer kind of our primary money maker for our company. Uh, we have $20 canned report, so if you just need a very basic demographic data for a city or a county, um, we have a $20 report that kind of pulls that data together for you nicely. You can attach it, you know, to your um, application to your bank or somebody like that who needs to see the data. Um, and then we also do custom data requests. Um, so that's... So, so, um, so if I wanted to open a restaurant in my hometown mm -hmm. or the town next door or the town, the county next door, um, you guys would be a good resource for that versus now who, who would, who, where would people traditionally go for something like that? Um, well, there's other companies online that will sell that kind of information, um, but they can be very expensive, right? So Hoover's or, you know, Melissa data or something like that. I mean, these guys could cost, you know, $10,000 for market analysis type work. Um, so we do very similar. We provide kind of the raw data and our, it's been our experience that our customers want to analyze the data themselves. They just need somebody to give them the raw data. That's at least on the custom data side of it, right? So give me the data. I want to play with it. I want to get my hands in there. I mean, most of our customers, they're presidents, they're founders, they're CEOs. They just need the data to, to you know, flush out their ideas. Um, so that's a little bit how we're different. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, and how'd you figure out the uh, name? What's Qubit mean? <laughs> so uh, Qubit, it, it's, it's a, originally kind of like a unit of measure, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we like the sound of the word um, that we're dealing with data. So that kind of thing, that was how we come up with Qubit. Plus there's like a really famous Bill Cosby, you know, skit where he's talking about Noah and Noah's asking God what's a Qubit. Um, so it's just kind of fun, you know, fun word. Um, but originally we named the company Qubit Planning because we were going after environmental engineers and this kind of, um, the app we built was specifically targeted for a type of environmental engineer doing a type of planning. So we called the company Qubit Planning. But it was a terrible name because everybody thought we offered planning services like city planning, urban planning, that kind of thing. And we didn't. We were a demographic data company. So eventually, even though like our URL on our website is qubitplanning.com, we had to you know, cut the branding and make, just make the branding be Qubit. Um, so. I like it. It's, it's sharp. And the website's great. It's, yeah, like you said, cubitplanning.com. Looks great. Looks professional. Uh, did you guys do that yourselves? So we did. My co-founder is a fantastic designer. So he originally um, was a web designer, um, and then he's taught himself development. And so he's kind of like this golden unicorn that doesn't really exist, right, in the world. Somebody that can do both design and development. Um, yes. So I'm very fortunate um, to have him. So. Very cool. Very cool. So what do you use the 20K for just living off of? So the 20K is what we use to build the app, right? So back to this. We have this group of people that we hypothesized would pay money if we could take 40 hours of routine data gathering and build them a tool that would do the same 40 hours in 30 seconds. And that's what we built. 
So we had, as part of the Capital Factory program, we had 10 weeks to build out this um, app, as well as, you know, figure out who our business is, you know, who, who we're marketing, how are we going to market to them, are we going to call them up, are we going to send them, you know, mailers. And then at the end of the 10 weeks, we launched to um, a large group of uh, press and investors. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but then you sort of have pivoted from that from that point, right? Exactly. And so, and so for yeah, for a number of reasons, it the initial concept of Qubit didn't work. The environmental engineers, while they do make up, but there, there's a small number. We have a small number of environmental engineering customers that use the the same web app that we still sell today. That industry didn't want that time saving product. And I've got a lot of hypotheses about it. I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Um, but what I think is, is that the engineers, you can bill out that 40 hours of routine work, um, you know, for lots of money to the government. So there was no pressure to do that work better, faster, cheaper. Whereas we, we ended up selling to small business owners who are under a lot of pressure to, to, you know, get work done better, faster, and cheaper. Right. Ironically, ironically, you were working for the government at the time when you were <laughs> discovering that. What jobs did you have with the government? Um, so I worked um, for Travis County. I had a position as a statistical researcher for Travis County for like a month before I had to give my notice. Oh, right, exactly, uh, because we got accepted into the program. And so then after the program was over, um, both my co-founder and I lived up our savings for about a year um, working on this business full time. And during that year is when we figured out oh, this business that you know, we quit our very secure, nice paying jobs for is not a feasible business. So at that point, yeah, it was really, it was really tough. So at the end of that year, when we were like, this is going nowhere, what are we going to do? Um, then my co-founder went out and he got a job for the next year and a half. And we kept trying to, we kept, well, at that time, we kept trying to make the business work, right? We were just kind of beating our heads against the wall, trying different things, maybe some marketing, maybe some positioning, maybe we were not doing these things right. Um, and then... Finally, we figured out, hey, we're just on the wrong track. We have no clue what we're doing. Um, and so the way we solved that problem is this is the way we should have started the business in the first place. We took a form, we put it on a website, and we said, tell us what demographic data you want and tell us how much money you're willing to pay for it. And so that was the very beginning of our custom data request. And kind of everything else that's come out of the business, like who our market, who our customers should be, what data do they want, these $20 reports, everything has come back out of this form that we put on our website and, you know, getting customer feedback. So how were people getting to the form? So um, one of the things I've picked up is um, search engine optimization. So we do a lot of SEO work to drive traffic to our website. I think um, we, have, we have several websites and we get about 50,000 units a month. So that's not bad for a small business. On terms like city planning data or... Um, so we're even more long-tailed than that. We're going after people who are like city of Austin income data. Um, so we have a landing page built out for every city and every county. Um, and in the are, the, are those landing pages on the Qubit website? We have some on the Qubit website, and then I also have like 51 other URLs. So I own like texas-demographics.com um, and, you know, another other smaller, you know, pretty much every state has its own URL, um, and we drive traffic there. And then just different things. We're going to drive traffic to you know to those Texas demographics. That's going to rank really well, and then we'll drive that back into Cuba. What do those landing pages contain? They contain demographic data that we that we pulled using our data sets. 
Um, so okay, so, so it's providing the data there for the, for the search result, mm -hmm. but then if someone wants more, there's an opportunity to go yeah. to, to the uh, landing page itself um, for the customize report. But then now that you've built up Qubit itself, you've got the package, packages to sell as well, right? So the packages has sort of come last, right? Yeah, the $20 reports um, came, so these are kind of canned reports. They came out of the custom data request because we were getting very basic requests like, I need like demographics 101 data, which to me is population, income, race, sex, age, um, poverty, and maybe education, right? So those are like really basic stats. And in my mind, well, you can go find that online. But lots of small business owners who don't have the time and more importantly, the census's website is very confusing. I mean, do you use the decennial census or do you use the American Community Survey? And if you use the American Community Survey, do you use the one-year, three-year, five-year estimates? What's the most current of all these data sets and which has the best information for my city? And so what we learned is people, they would pay money for somebody else to figure that out for them. Yeah, that's awesome. So what were some of the part-time jobs you guys were doing while you were, or you, did you ever go back to work at all? I did. So the first year and a half, my um, my co-founder, he went to work, and he has a contract design position um, with another government agency. Um, so he was working for the uh, DPS in Texas, our uh, you know police and uh, highway patrolmen here mm -hmm. in Texas. And then after that, I went. So after he worked for a year and a half, then I went back to work for a year and a half. And so we'd switch off. So that first year and a half, I worked on the company trying to figure out what's going to work. Um, for the company, and then when I went back to work, he worked on the company for that year and a half. So then I worked um, for a company called Vertiv in town that does uh, coupon code sites. Um, so by that time, I leveraged my you know year and a half, two years, I guess, of running Qubit into a product manager position for another internet company. And then after about eight months, I switched. I got a, an, um, a very fortunate to have um, a job offer from AMD, the chip maker. Um, who's here in Austin, and I was doing, again, kind of website marketing services for AMD. When you had those jobs, what were you going through, um, I guess, mentally with where you were with Qubit? I mean, were you resided to the fact that this may be the new norm, or were you saying this is only, this is the last gig, this is temporary until Qubit hits? Yeah, it was always this is temporary until Qubit hits, and then like I was, I felt that I was very honest with my employers that, you know, I had this product on the side and they had to know that because it was such a big part of my resume, right? Because here I went from economics to environmental engineering to web service marketing. I mean, they had to know about Qubit for them to even consider hiring me for that position. But yeah, in my mind it was always, I'm doing this to make money temporarily and then once we figure out the Qubit business, that's going to be my long term, that's where my passion is. Because both my co-founder and I were very passionate about helping people use their time, putting it to the highest and best use. And pulling routine demographic data is not the highest and best use of people's time, right? They should be focusing on analysis and making business decisions. You should not have to spend 40 hours just getting the raw data, right? right. So like, even, even though it took us four years before we finally both um, have, were able to put our jobs in this business in chaos, it was something that we're, we inherently feel very strongly about. And that kind of sounds silly, but um, like just talking to our customers and hearing them in that pain um, and like 
it's just a problem that's near and dear to who we are and the way we think about efficiency in life and how we want to spend our time. Yeah, yeah. And you guys are building something, um, um, like you said, useful and it's uh, enjoyable to work with. It seems like the, the interface is uh, pleasing and, and nice to work with. So congrats on having a successful product and uh, on offering and then Having it look so great, and then um, you know, obviously being able to to leave those those jobs and now be both be full time. So, uh, you know, what is what what kind of revenue was needed to sustain you guys full time? Um, so we needed to bring in at least um, seven thousand dollars a month to pay the business bills and to pay us enough money to pay our bills. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So that's where we're at at this point. Yeah. So we, we, we should be doing much better than that this year because it's really hard having one person. As your, as your audience knows, it's really hard having just one person working on the business. And so when you have two people working on the business full time, I mean, man, you can go so much faster. So we really yeah. appreciate that now that we've you know been running it one person solo for three years. Right, right. So... Uh, what what's the work that you're doing now with the business? Is it uh, is it continuing to build out the packages, or is it doing more of the custom reports? Well, we're still trying to kind of finish that pivot, right? So on our website, we don't have the marketing copy that needs to be there to talk to small business owners and to really kind of address their pain. Um, so we're doing right now. We're doing a lot of um, analysis and surveying and talking to our customers and to trying to better understand their pain because, in a sense. Like, I was very familiar with the environmental engineers, the problem they had, why they were solving this problem, um, how much solving this problem was worth to them, but we're not familiar with how much, like, what exactly is the pain that a child care center has um, that requires them to come to us for demographic data. So we need to better understand our customers so that we can build out better products for them. Um, and I do think we'll always have some kind of combination of canned reports an app that will help people pull the data themselves because people want to be able to pull the data themselves and then you know custom some type of custom branch um, because that's really fun like working with our customers and actually getting in there and touching their problems um, I love that that's one of my favorite parts of what we do is um, actually being able to pull these um, you know different data sets for people and it's it it'll help us stay in touch and tune with their customers because if everybody comes through and they're buying a canned report online or they're using an app you don't get to have that conversation with them, whereas you do get to have that conversation as part of the custom um, process. So hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have transitioned um, into the company that, that we want to be based on the market research that, that we're doing right now. So. Gotcha. Uh, are you still able to rely on the mentors? We can. So we, um, Capital Factory had something called office hours. So on Fridays, I think it's almost every Friday, um, uh, you know, some of the mentors will be available for office hours and they're like 20 minute meetings. Um, so in the past three years, we didn't do a lot of talking to them because nothing was working, right? It's really not fun to go in and say, look, we tried this new thing and it's failing. Then we tried this thing and it didn't work either. Like there was, it was just trying stuff and failing all the time. So we're talking to them more now than we have over the past three years because finally we're getting some traction and things are starting to work. So, yeah. Right. That's awesome. Um, so where do we go from here? We could. Um, so I guess maybe what's next? Uh, you see, coming kind of coming down the pipe. 
for you guys at Qubit? Yeah, so maybe one of the biggest problems that I'm facing right now is we do we hire or do we stay a two-person team using contractors? So right now I, I have about five contractors um, working with us on, on different projects, right? Um, and I don't, like, I guess Anthony and I, we need, Anthony's my co-founder, we need to, you know, decide is it time to bring on a full-time person or do we continue running this two-person company? And there's some benefits, right, of being a two-person company, like we get to work out of our homes, we don't have to have an office, you know, we kind of come and go as we please. Like, we work a lot of hours, but if we want to take off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we can do that. And having an employee would require some sacrifice on that. But at the same time, can we grow the company to make to get the company where it needs to be to provide the best customer service for and the best products for our customers without having that additional help and relying on contractors who, I mean, they have their own priorities and their own schedule and their other things that they're worried about. So... I think by the end of the year, when we after we've kind of fleshed out this where this company needs to go, we need to make that decision. Um, so I'm I'm actually pretty scared about that because being a manager is or being a boss is not an inherent strength uh, that I have. It's not a skill set that I have. I've done it and I've done it poorly in the past for other people, um, and so I'm scared to do that um, in the yeah. future. Yeah, yeah I, I feel you there. That's a struggle for me as well. Sometimes we. Solo entrepreneurs have success because we're so good working with ourselves mm -hmm. and uh, making it happen, and then getting someone else to, you know, align with that same passion. Or, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, uh, I feel you there. Uh -huh. um, so, what do you use the contractors for? Um, so we. So uh, some of the mapping services that we do, if we have custom data requests that require really heavy mapping, um, we use a GIS contractor for that. And then um, we, have, we still have a contract with AMD, my ex-employer, um, to provide some web services support for them. And so we try to contract as much of that out as possible. Um, that way we're free again to focus on um, building the demographic side of Qubit. So technically Qubit has the contract with AMD um, because I wanted Anthony to feel some of the pain of uh, <laughs> working for the giant corporation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, how do you how do you structure it business wise? Are you a partnership? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, well, oh, like technically, so we run Qubit as a partnership, but I think technically we're a C corp. Um, and the reason we had to do that is the five percent investment into that Capital Factory put in it. Um, and they, as part of Capital Factory, the attorneys set it up. I really don't understand it or know it, and then the accountants handle filing it. So fortunately, I haven't really had to, you know, figure all of that out. If we ever take on additional investment or if we decide to sell the company in the future, then I'll have to figure out what, what they did back then. Gotcha. Okay. So you guys have an accountant then that yeah. that's all the books for you. Yeah. Well, we use a really cool app called Less Accounting. Um, and then we just give our accountant access to less accounting, and less accounting will hook right up into your bank account, and it'll suck everything down, and it'll auto tag your expenses. So again, that kind of trying to be efficient and, and have the highest and best use of your time, we try to apply that to our business as well. We use lots of apps and services and kind of hook them all together. Nice. Very cool. Um, so in terms of some of the mistakes you might have made along the way that uh, people looking to follow a similar path might not um, make any advice there absolutely um, don't build a product that people don't want to buy 
Um, and we should have figured that out. There was no reason for it to take three years for us to figure that out. We should have, we went about it wrong. Um, and so what I, would, what I tell people when they ask for advice is there's a book called Running Lean by Ash Moria. Um, and if you follow this book, it gives you step-by-step -step instructions. Here's how you interview your customers. Here's how you validate your learning. Here's how you move through the process of making sure you have a product that people will pay money for without ever building the product. And if we would have done that, we would have saved so much time and so much money, and um, I would be a lot happier. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, what, what are some of the things you've done right along the way, some keys to the success? Um, well, I, so the biggest successes I think we've had is in search engine optimization and content creation. Um, I mean, there's the fantastic thing about being a small business is if you put out good content and interesting content, I mean, you don't have to have a salesperson, right? You don't have to have that full on line of folks, you know, pounding the, the pavement. Um, inbound marketing, right? So people finding you online and signing up for your newsletter and opting into your messaging. And that's a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs trying to build a business. It takes time and that kind of thing, but it works. Um, so I think learning search engine optimization, learning um, the basics of inbound marketing, and we're not experts in any of either of those, I would say, but we know enough to have got a business this far. Um, that's probably the big success is, is that. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for being on with me. Um, it was a great peek inside the, inside the world of a startup, and congrats on all the success. And uh, any, any parting thoughts or any other information I forgot to ask? Um, I guess the only parting thought I would say is to find things that are going to feed your passion, right? So um, find things that keep you excited about your business because you're going to go through a long period of time, hopefully not as long as I went through, and just things are not going to work, right? And so what is it that you can do to keep your passion there? So recently I discovered, for example, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. I think that show is fantastic. And he goes in and he helps these restaurants fix their business. Like, that just makes me more excited about working on my business. Or I like to read Hacker News um, because you'll get, in addition to all this programming geeky stuff, you get these great articles on um, growth hacking and that kind of thing for your business. So find whatever the outlets, and part-time money would be a great outlet to opt into um, and read that content to keep you passionate about your business. So. Very cool. All right, well, check out cubitplanning.com. Kristen, thanks so much for being on with me, and good luck to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you.